0: So welcome again, our listeners for the Inside Climate Action Club podcast, Career Talks. Here with me today, I have the pleasure to have Miguel Matias. Miguel Matias is a Portuguese alumnus from our 2000 and 2004. He did a, a leadership program with the Blue Ocean Institute right after his MBA at IESE. And Miguel, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you very much. Good afternoon or good morning, depending where you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you can just like introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners, uh, talk about a little bit of your trajectory uh, before Yes uh, and Inside, and I right, right after Yes and Inside up to today with Self Energy and a lot of the initiatives that you're involved with.
1: Okay, thank you. Well, yes. Um, well, I. Uh, I am 50 years old. It's important to say that's where I, I started uh, um, working at Anderson Consulting, now Accenture, and then Deloitte. Um, as, uh, uh, at Deloitte, I was senior manager of the energy uh, industry in the Iberia region, so for Portugal and Spain, so up to there. After that, I was recruited by oil and gas company, so, um, which was Galp Energia. So I have a degree in computer science, so which was maybe nothing to do with energy, but maybe you will you will understand why it is a lot to do with energy right now um, as well. So, but yeah, so after, uh, so I was the innovation director of oil and gas company reporting to the CEO uh, really early in my career. So I, I've, I've arrived to that uh, like uh, tier one I'll say uh, director role uh, with 30 years old, something like that. So, and um, and I had that challenge to to manage all the innovation of, of a big oil and gas company. Um, and at that moment is where I've done my uh, my MBA and where I was enrolled in this uh, um, leadership program uh, within the oil and gas company. And uh, where I had the pleasure to, to meet the uh, professor Renee with the blue ocean where she 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 presented in Fontainebleau, so we had we had most we stayed there uh, it was very very warm very hot <laughs> that days so it was in the in the summer so we have been like or something like that uh, two times um, separate two times so we have uh, uh, a fantastic um, uh, uh, course and uh, and in fact maybe that in that classes with the the Blue Ocean Strategy was where I really started to pick up a little bit about uh, entrepreneurship and about uh, how new ideas can change the world in a way. Um, and uh, and also the di- dynamics of uh, of that strategy. I was applying that to my own role as Innovation Director in GALP. So I've launched several innovations uh Including very, like, I'll say odd ones for the, for the oil and gas industry at that time. So I'm, I'm talking about like two, 2005, we were, we were dealing with uh, like apps to, to find out gas stations with Windows Mobile. So we had like Steve Ballmer in Portugal from Microsoft at that time launching our program. Um, and it was a completely blue ocean uh, for us because we were like launching in uh in in this in this area uh just just giving drivers new services now it's completely common with ways and whatever we have but we are talking 15 years ago so we were were driving that uh, that change with the technology we have that time so yeah um so after after this program to be honest i was doing my mba at the same time more or less in ES. so it was a much much more like um well as you most of you know we that, that you are MBA students or have been, it's much more serious than a postgraduate uh, okay. uh, project or programme uh, where you are much relaxed and uh, you, you don't. We had some exams, but very, very quick ones, not in MBA. And MBA was tough. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, but we have at the last time, the last, um, one of the last matters we had was about uh, entrepreneurship and uh, new adventures, new entrepreneurship adventures. He called NAVES in Spanish is Novas Aventuras Empresariales. And uh, the IES Barcelona had a professor called Pedro Nueno That was like one of the the, the most uh, uh, reputable uh, professors in this area. He was the first one to create a business school in China, for instance. And um, and we had some classes in Barcelona as well uh, with the, the yes we have classes in Barcelona and classes in in Portugal and so and it was like this combination with this Pedro Nueno and Rene with Blue Ocean I'll say that made me made my made my head of, of trying to do my own company what what Pedro told me uh, Professor Pedro Nueno told me. Um, was that if you have an idea to, to, to transform the world and if you see everything, everything moving in that direction, just wait. Well, for me, that was for me, I was really very, um, very how can I say it, uh, uh, trying to solve everything at the same day, <laughs> very quick. And he was saying, no, just wait, see if it goes that direction if if everything that you think about is really what you what what the industry is asking for, but there was a but if that's the case, if you don't then go away and follow your dream and do your company, you will be unhappy forever. So I remember completely these words and say, look, if you see the things moving in one way and you're not taking that wave, um, then. Forget it, you, you will have to do it. <laughs> um, so but but first, wait, it's yeah, actually
0: but quick question there like the idea of becoming an entrepreneur, you have your own idea was something that you even had before the MBA, wasn't being born during the MBA because as of now, we know the output you went there and you, you made it happen, but it was something you were thinking about before, or it, it was uh, during the, MBA, well, the kind of
1: idea, yeah, I think. Um, well as innovation director in oil and gas company you I had a lot of opportunity to to innovate um, but at the same time there was that frustration of not exactly can do what 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 you think is the best thing because of course there is there was a boarding. To select the priorities and to do whatever you you have to do, and you had a big budget, but normally you don't have like, of course, the full authority to, to do everything. And also at that moment, energy industry and oil and gas industry, uh, oil price got very high again, and so most of people was backing to to the to the oil business and to the exploration, and and I I, I was recruited back in two thousand exactly for doing differently to, was the idea of that time was to, to build uh, oil and gas more inclusive of other energy services, other energy technologies. And I, I didn't also agree with that. So that maybe that helped as well. But answering your question, the MBA give me, gave me the tools to believe that I could do it. Okay. Uh, w- there was already something but uh, uh, I think also the program with uh, Professor René and the Blue Ocean give me also some kind of uh, idea of how to identify if uh, an, um, a project or, or a program or a, a company can really focus on, on, a, on a new market and how, how can you handle a new market uh, in, a, in a Blue Ocean strategy. And so these two things combined gave me like the tools that I thought I had, uh, I I needed to start my own company. Uh, before MBA, because MBA is much more complete, of course, gives you all the all the all the the tools regarding marketing, finance, uh, human resources, strategy, commercial, whatever. Um, and so, gave you that tools that uh, I came from computer science. So, I didn't even being a manager in, in a big consulting, you had to run a lot of people. But normally, you are on job training all the time. So, you didn't have so much time to like sit down, come back to school, and put together all your knowledge. And that's what I've done in MBA and the program. And so, yes, the answer to you is yes. That was like the trigger that made me believe that I have the tools to start it on.
0: Perfect. An MBA with a computer science degree, I think, is the dream of, of many that wants to own a company. Uh, and then after after the MBA, you you went there directly. How how was your journey journey after? It was something that you kept. Uh, in the back of your mind for, for a little bit while joining the yep. organizations. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. That's
1: exactly that. So that's uh, in a way I, I did what Professor Pedro Nueno told me uh, because I had finished my MBA like 2004 and I just started my company 2006. So I, I waited a little bit like two years. I was uh, talking with some potential investors and potential partners and potential and friends of mine Um uh, uh, we, we I remember that most of my initial partners were my my friends that were with me in football in soccer games or so football games uh seeing Sporting Lisbon seeing Ronaldo for instance was one of our players at that time and so was sitting down there and uh, and uh, talking about these things that we come together and they, at the same time it was like a mix of two or three people that wanted to to do something like that and. Uh, that makes even more more interest to start it on. So starting the journey with like a group of people that you believe, not the same kind of needs that you, the same kind of knowledge that you have. So I uh, I started the company with a very uh, friend of mine. who is a, um, a very knowledgeable engineer that's now working with Shell. Uh, also someone that's from marketing and uh, another one that had uh, the borrowed degree law. Um, and so it is a combination of people and knowledge that makes then the team to start a company. And so that's that's what I did. Two thousand six, decided the time. Um, and uh, in fact, it took me. I had already an investor thinking that uh, that knew me from from oil and gas was was really well. Right now, maybe it's not so easy to get investors, or, or maybe it is. I don't know. Um, you have other tools, but it was like, a, 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 in a way, it was not a difficult first step. Um, I put together that, um, that investors. To be honest, my, my first uh, um, talk was also with, uh, with uh, uh, because I started as ESCO. I don't know if you know what the ESCO is. Uh, it's energy, energy services
0: company. Yeah, yeah. Energy
1: services company. So energy services company had a completely revolutionary business model at that time that just happened in US and also in Germany at that time so some in japan but there was not widespread in the continental europe or the uk um, was mostly in us and so i one my first like decision as uh, to start a company was inviting a former ceo of an esco company in us i called him like a cold call completely cold call and i called him and i say look I would like very much to to know about what you have done, what is your business model, what how, what can you do. Um, I will invite you to fly over to Portugal. I will pay you some hotels and some golf nearby, and we'll we'll talk about it during two or three three days, uh, we'll talking with some investors for you to explain how you have done. And to be honest, I was not expecting for him to accept, but he accepted, <laughs> accepted the journey. So and the, because it was like thinking of retiring already. So it was like a, a more older person. And and he came along. So I paid the trip, came along uh, and stayed with us at the beginning. So that was very important because I. it was not just me explaining the model. Uh, it was like a, a report about someone that has done it in the US market. Um, and the, for instance, when I just got them because they were the company that um, uh, illuminate, that made the lighting for the, um, in New York uh, for, for like green lighting. So or every, uh, all the lightings uh, for the, the Empire State Building uh, were done buying uh, from uh, renewable sources. So back 2004, and they were the company that did that. And so that's how I, I reached them and said, look, this is exactly what I want to do in Portugal and in Spain and in Europe. And uh, that's it. So I have was a cold call so sometimes just to tell you yeah. if you really want to follow just pick, pick up the phone send an email now linkedin it's much easier than that even mm-hmm. um yeah don't uh, don't be shy
0: any questions that i have regarding that because you, you've worked for energy for for such a long time so when you were thinking about having your own business did you ever think about going for another sector why did you stick with energy is it really your passion what you really like doing and, in term, and the second question on that, it's a, it's a follow-up in terms of why renewable? Uh, and like is, is it something regarding to your beliefs or it was more a business opportunity or a mix of both? Because you worked for so long in oil and gas as so well, you could just have tried to go for oil and gas. We know that it's a little bit harder to be an entrepreneur. There are much more uh, barriers to entry, but have you? it was always un, uh, non-negotiable for you to be for renewables if you were for energy. Can you walk us through like this a decision-making process of where I'm going to bet uh, for ha- starting my own business.
1: Okay, that's very good. Again, uh, that's where the blue ocean, uh, uh, I find out that there was really a, a, a blue ocean opportunity in this market, in this renewables market. But let me drive you also through the journey to to get into this self-energy concept and to the ESCO because... Uh, what, I, what I learned and from, because being a consultant in Accenture and Deloitte, I've been in other industries as well. So I've been in banking, I've been in telecommunications before, most of my time I've been in energy. Um, but what I found out because I've, I've, uh, uh, I've also, as a computer science degree, I saw the transformation from your like main, um, your, your mainframe and centralized systems to become decentralized and to become your, even going to your personal computer. And so, and I, if you see that, you can see it as a, your self-computer. So that comes from like a server computer to a self-computer. And now uh, the same thing happened in the telephone and the telecommunications. You you came out from having a completely grid connected and, uh, uh, and the telephone that, uh, that you had to, to, to go to a, to a booth to, to, to call someone, you was connected to a, to, a, to a wire, was wire connected to completely wireless. So you came from like a, 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 also a connected phone to a cell phone. Um, even in banking, you you had to go to the bank to do your transactions and in then you were doing your self banking. You can do it at home or at the ATM. So this this self, kind of movement to the decentralization was like a mega trend. And the, the last last industry that, that has not, not happened yet was the energy. Because energy was also very centralized, it is still. It is very grid connected as well. And uh, there is still a, a, a decentralization to be implemented. And that's why self energy appeared. So the self energy is like the next step After you have a cell phone, after you have your self-computer, after you have your self-banking, you need your self-energy. Now, going forward that and say, okay, how can I do my, I have my self-energy? I need to generate energy myself. I can't, and how can I do it? With renewable energy, of course, because that's the only way that you can really uh, be self-sufficient. And again, like with a cell phone, you you had with uh, your mobile phone, the main the main characteristics to do that was you you need to have a battery for instance and now you have batteries combined with renewables and that's the best that's why it's we are now in like in a tipping point for really achieving this self-energy concept that well i started 2016 but when uh, 2006 sorry so in 2006 when i talking about this people were saying this, this guy is crazy what? what that's gonna happen? So everybody will need, why, why do I need to be unconnected from the grid? Electricity is just thing, a thing that I turn in and turn off and that's it. I don't need to know nothing about it. Right now, that's not the case. So I've, I've helped even to, to establish some, uh, and design some programs for the feeding tariff in Portugal and Spain. So how, how can you really pay for a technology that was very expensive at the time? And so that's how the, the feeding program started, and uh, with micro generation, with uh, also solar farms. And so that's how the thing started. So, but so the, answering your question, there was like a combination of two things. Yes, I was on the sustainable business. I really believe we need it. So, I was really worried about what's going to happen in uh, global warming and CO2 emissions. So, I had already that knowledge that. And and I had that knowledge because I had access to reports even as oil and gas director, okay? I've been with Shell. uh, Shell has a very interesting program called Shell Game Changer. Uh, They run that program. It's an innovation program. So they invited me as innovation director of GALP uh, to see the program and to talk about it. It's it's where they try to understand what will be the game changer technology or model that, uh, that may happen in the future. Uh, it's based in The Hague in in Netherlands, and it's it's a very powerful program, and I had that, so I had access to a lot of information. So I I in a way I could. I I, I of course then you you have to be trained to 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 try to get the information to, to to try to get something from the information, um, uh, but but that is important. So after you know what's going on, I could stay. Uh, just in oil and gas, so I knew it. This was the way. And because oil and gas, there was in the beginning of the twenty uh, on like two hundred, um, uh, the beginning of twenty first century. Some oil and gases even thought about going more deeply in renewables. But then oil and the gas prices hype again, and they forgot it <laughs> because it was one hundred dollars a barrel and it was too too much to win to be to be. To 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 have to to talk about renewable energy again. So I, I even as oil and gas company, I bought some solar companies. I developed solar projects back in twenty and thousand five, two um, thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. But um, was not like core business for them. You see, so they, they come back to the back to the to the oil, and I that was not my 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 role uh, my role. And so I, I I decided to go and follow my. Uh, what I thought was the best thing. Um, and
0: one question that I have is how much the macro trends and political environment affect businesses? Because I'm thinking 2006, and you trying to create demand basically in, in some parts of the world. Because I've seen that you had offices across the world from Maputo to Lisbon, London. Yep. And I imagine selling in Maputo is very different than selling in Lisbon and even selling in London. So how was that in 2006? And how is that compared to 2020 when we are talking about sustainable development goals, ESGs? Uh, how has the consumer changed and how has overall this macro trends shaped? And basically what do you see as a, as a future uh, going out after 2020 up to 2030 or whatever you see next? in 2020?
1: Yeah very interesting very good question yeah so we started um like we started portugal um we started then after spain which is our not not, uh, our normal market to grow and uh, and then uk Uh, uk was 2008 and um, uk was because uh it was exactly because of the megatrends in a way saying you was was Had and still had in terms of liberalisation and all the all the energy innovations. Normally in you in Europe started in UK because they have really a innovative uh, framework and uh, and very liberalised uh, economy uh, and and sector which made that competition much harder and much easier to 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 enter for. And so normally I I, I normally say say look. Because we were like the leaders in Portugal really quick in this area. Uh, in fact, there was just like the electricity company and the gas company started. I like also energy services. I was the president of the ESCO association in Portugal. And so going to UK was being the best in your neighborhood. It's good. Is you, you are the good are the better in you are the best in your neighborhood. But it's not the same being the best in the world. And so you have to go to the more competitive markets like UK to prove that you can, you can do it with, against the big ones and not just in your, in your comfort zone. So that was what made me um, uh, start in UK. Of course, I find also a partner there and we did really interesting programs with E.ON there, with, uh, with Ricoh Arena, so with a lot of interesting projects that, well, that's where I have still my headquarters now is, is London in UK. But Mozambique, Mozambique came after. Well, in fact, I was born in Mozambique, so that was also that that part of me that was there. There was like a kind of a call and say, "Look, okay, you have this self-energy model, you have this renewable energy, and this decentralized generation. Where in the world this could be really the the best thing ever? Um, because in in Portugal or Spain, this was like a, um, a nice thing to do, and then I but." people had, have already energy access. So it can reduce costs, it can reduce emissions, but it, it was hard to sell because people sometimes were not really interested in reducing 10% of their bill. Or So even hotels, they, they were winning so much, not now, but they, they were getting so much revenues that, well, paying a little bit more was not a problem for them. And so getting into energy efficiency or getting rooftop solar... It was like um, not, not so much easy to sell sometimes because it was not a priority in Europe. In Mozambique, it was a bit the same because they had uh, almost no access to energy in most of the, the places. And so we created a program for solar villages uh, with batteries back 2010. So we are talking about using battery storage. It was not lithium at that time. It was other technology of batteries. Um, acid batteries, so... But the concept was to bring energy to like remote villages all over the country. So we built a program that that had the support of uh, of uh, um, a CO two fund, a CO two emissions fund, a carbon fund, Portuguese carbon fund, and and we got some some support for like was like a five million contract we got for implementing fifty villages all over Mozambique. Um, was, I think, still now, I think for me, it was the most beautiful project I, I've done in my career. And uh, uh, even because then I, you see, go there and see, because normally they were implemented in schools uh, or in healthcare centers. Um, so you, you could have now a vaccine uh, refrigeration for, for, the, for the people. You could have people having uh, classes in the night. So even all, like uh, adults, that don't know how to write or to read, and they need to be working during the day, they can now go to school at night. Um, so you can have security, safety at, at the town. Uh, so having the energy enables also like for the fishermen, for businesses to strive. Like fishermen could have refrigeration for the fish and don't have to go fishing every day um, or send it, or, or having problems with the, with the food. So Seeing the impact of the centralized generation and renewable generation um, in these villages was was amazing. So I, I saw like people that saw electricity or a lamp for the first time in their lives, um, and these kids like were really amazed by how what energy can can make for them. And uh, so we have presented this program in a, in a climate summit in uh, in Warsaw and also in Durban. So um, and. Uh, the environment the minister of Mozambique was telling me that was, I, I was not aware of the impact. That project has impacted around 200,000 people. Wow. Um, not because they were, the villages were very small, but the thing is because there, there is a vaccine, a vaccine refrigeration there, or there was a school there in the night, then people from other villages came along uh, to benefit from that decentralized generation. And that self-energy concept. Okay, so that was really beautiful, and that's that's how you see like um, part of your idea come true and and change lives, and that's that's very um, rewarding.
0: Well, th- th- that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, and mm-hmm. looking forward. And currently, what would you say yeah. that? Is the main challenges or main oppor- and not or and main opportunities? Do you still think about expanding internationally to more emerging markets? Because I, I believe the the need in emerging markets is huge for this kind of solutions. But what would be the challenge there? Is like funding. Um, if you can walk us through what you're thinking for the future of. Of your company. Yeah, of
1: course. Very, very much, very much. Um, I also, just just mention that that in that Mozambique, I also had the opportunity to bring my family with me. So we started the company there because and you were asking there because it was a completely different model. I had to go there. So it was not something um, in UK I could uh, decentralize. In Spain, I have a general director, but in Mozambique it was completely different. So I had to understand what model can we do there? It's not the same. And so I've been there, living there with the family, and was was really really good for everyone, and uh, was much quicker the payback because we fought to to reach like five million just in three years, and it was done in one year. <laughs> so sometimes when you think it's, it takes more time, um, it's when it it didn't. So if you if you put the the right effort on it, so right now right now it's um well yeah it's. I think we are in the middle of a big revolution, to be honest, in the energy industry. Really, um some of the things I, I dream about like 15 years ago is now happening. So if you think like battery storage, what battery storage has done to 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 the mobile phones and to the smartphones, so all the apps that you and the power you have in your hands right now with the smartphone, it's exactly the power you're gonna have at your home where. where at your car with the, with the battery storage uh, system. Um, normally lithium now, then will be hydrogen, green hydrogen. So I'm, I'm driving now, I've, I've co-invested, I invested in some startups helping uh, um, uh, them to, to, to start on. So some in UK uh, regarding battery storage, for instance, Drive is one. Another one regarding algorithms, um, artificial intelligence algorithms to because this, this is again, now, now comes the computer science degree. This is have a lot to do with IT right now and with algorithms because you will need to manage in real time uh, most of these assets all together. So you have to know when to charge and recharge to get the best of your renewable energy on your rooftop or wherever you are. So you, you have to, to have like the, um, uh, the AI, the artificial intelligence to do that. So I also involved in a company called Resilience Energy, which is really on the top of doing that. It's like demand response and the, uh, balancing these, these, uh, these energy needs. But also towards, uh, I'll say, another step on the self-energy concept, which is the energy communities. So uh, another thing that's happening, and I'm really, now I've started also in Portugal again, this company called CAME, Uh, just focus in energy communities because it's again energy communities are taking over the responsibility to fulfilling their own needs so it's like you you you, you, having just your rooftop solar it's maybe not enough but if your neighbor also has and your all other neighbors has then you can share that that effort between everyone and then you can have you, you don't need the grid uh you, you will you will be self-sufficient if you can manage together and you can like buy and sell from your from your uh, neighbor or if you think about it on a community level or so on, on a neighborhood or on a village or or even on a on a on a industrial park or a, a, a port. Uh, So a a seaport or an airport. So I've done some projects, for instance, in an airport in Brazil, exactly with this model, where you you can with the... um, I know that you are Brazilian, so that's why I mentioned, I remember I've been in Rio de Janeiro because of the Olympic Games. um, And we have been involved in um, organizing all the energy efficiency plan for the Rio Galeão, which is the international airport for the olympic games so it was a very big challenge and again airport is a small community it's a city so make it full self-sufficient as much as it can it's 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 possible and it's uh, and and it's not just energy now it's about water is about waste management so waste to energy is a very interesting concept uh taking the the treated water to use it in the air conditioning systems um producing hydrogen for fuel, some, some of the green hydrogen to produce some of the, of the vehicles. So it's, it's really like a cycle, you see. And you can, right now, I think that is, is, the, is the, the future, is these energy communities will become self-sufficient and sustainable, mm-hmm. sustainable by themselves. So not off-grid. Now we have the grid as a backup. So the grid will be a backup, mm-hmm. not our main source of power.
0: And that's where it will be your bet, because one of my final questions for you would be, if you could go to the past uh, 20 years, right <laughs> after the MBA, uh, where would you be waiting to see where the market is going? Uh, because I think in your time was going through to renewables, uh, as you were saying now, For do you think the future trend and where maybe the next, next unicorn in energy will be towards the sustainable communities? Where would your, your bet be?
1: A good question. Oh, oh, maybe I'll not say to you to everyone. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll okay, keep okay. it for Wait, myself. You can tell me
0: later. You <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep
1: it for myself. But no, oh well. Yeah, sustainable communities definitely. I'm I'm now betting also on green hydrogen in ten years. Um, uh, green hydrogen. I think it will be needed. Um, it's another another venture we are developing here in Portugal. I really believe. Um, with the cheap uh, renewable energy generation. Uh, the producing producing uh, green hydrogen from electrolysis will be very good, but I'm also bet in things like water desalination. We're gonna need it in the future in Europe um, because of global warming. So, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna be we 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 can't uh, like miss the two degrees um, warming. So I'm 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 not thinking we have the opportunity. To do that so I think we have to try to to don't go over that two two degrees uh, of global warming but uh, with two degrees that will be a major impact so you have to, to mitigate that to the, with a lot of effort so yeah I'll say uh, all the things regarding also um, electrification of vehicles that will all the business that will be created around that Infrastructure, not not just the vehicles itself, but all the infrastructure you're going to need for that. I normally say that you need like a grid 2.0. It's a completely different grid to charge vehicles. You can't do it in the in the same grid we have now. You 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 just kill the grid. <laughs> if everyone decides tomorrow to have an electric car, the grid can't support it. Um, so you have to create your own your own support, your own energy uh, mains to do it. So yeah, there's. That's really the battery will give you uh, the freedom for you to incorporate a lot of uh, renewable energy uh, in your in, in your day life, and that is I I will see the most interesting and relevant change in the in, the, in the near future.
0: Perfect, Miguel. And if you could leave leave our listeners with a, one final message, one final tip, one final advice for those ones that are thinking about going for energy and in a clean way in a renewable way grids uh communities whichever whichever the the ramification that they choose after all this experience that you've had with with clean energy uh what would be your final advice for our listeners for them to remember Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i'll i'll say that uh, follow your your own instinct in a way um so if if uh, uh, you think it, if you dream it, you can do it. Okay, that's always the, the the main message. If you dream it, you can do it. And normally, that's also what I normally always thought about it. Is I always try to take out the "I am" of the impossible. Um, some if someone told you it's impossible, that's it will take more time. Just it's not impossible, and so. Uh, it is possible. So you just take the E, I, and it's possible. So that's that's my my regard is don't you you don't have to 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 um, you don't have to wait uh, too much to follow your dreams, but you should also uh, be like persistent. So don't don't think that will be first time. It will it will may take some time, but it will happen. Okay. So go ahead. That is my, my my message. Go ahead,
0: Miguel. Thank you so much for your time and Good. for all your stories. I it's really inspiring, and at least on my behalf, uh, I learned so much. And so, on behalf of the Inside Climate Action Club, thank you so much again. And on behalf of our listeners, I bet they they learned a lot as well. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you.
1: All the best. All the best. Thank you.